0: Hello, Carson. Hey, what's up, Kyle? How are you? I'm fantastic. I, I live an awesome life. I get to interview my heroes like yourself.
1: Huh. Well, I don't know how I earned the right to be that, but...
0: Well, let me go over some of it then, uh, and, and, and uh, that way you don't have to you know brag about yourself. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've called you the Elon Musk of uh, the tattoo world because in some ways... Uh, let, or let me like, you know, like this. I'm not sure of your illegitimate kids, so I shouldn't talk on that. But <laughs> you have taken and you made something that was unpopular, but that existed. You de- destigmatized the rotary tattoo machine, much as Elon Musk is making the electric car sexy and more wantable. You made the rotary um, more of a feasibility by making it a pneumatic tattoo machine first.
1: Yeah, you know, um, uh... <laughs> I think so. I was really young at the time. And, uh, I think the way that I was looking at it was that coil, the coil machine. So I came from, you know, I've been tattooing now for 35 ish years. So, so at the time coils were the only real respected or respectable way of, of doing that. And, uh, rotaries were definitely not no. a, a huge understatement would be that rotaries were not appreciated in the same way that they are today i would say uh, a huge yeah
0: yeah a huge under i
1: can't argue was i can only think of at the time that you came out with the
0: pneumatic tattoo machine i can only think of one uh, that had any credibility to it and i believe it was put out by huck Spalding, and it was called like the revolution or something yeah Does that sound familiar
1: yep yeah i would agree okay. with that and i don't know if i would say credibility is a good but the company, yeah, I would say Spaulding had credibility. So, yeah, in that regard, for sure. Okay, yes. But, you know, I, I, the truth is that I didn't think of, and, you know, it's funny because now, obviously, we know. I mean, maybe everyone knew at the time but me. Um, but I didn't look at the original pneumatic machine as a rotary, personally. Okay. And okay. I made a lot of, I may, maybe rationalized a lot of, like, aspects of um i rationalized that using some of the aspects of the machine to kind of say oh it's not the same as a as a rotary and i think part of that was just that i knew that nobody had any respect for the rotary including myself i you know i i personally viewed it as like the prison style tattoo but at the same time uh so the technology of the coil now that was invented in the 1870s. um, And then I think it kind of came to the market and like, I don't even know if this is like the right way to word all of this, but it was patented in 1891. So, so I saw that's where the opportunity kind of came clear to me where I realized, okay, well, we're, we're actually talking about, you know, so this was in the 90s and the 1990s. So hundred year old technology. Still uh, being used. Yeah, like that didn't really make sense to me. Like technology advances in every field, why would it not? And and Mm -hmm. that's not to necessarily say that it hadn't been advanced, but it was still, you know, the same tech.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, they were basically a doorbell. Just some of them were lighter, some of them were heavier. Some of them had T-shaped coils. I remember that was a big thing for me for a while. if you remember, Icon came out with those weird armature bars. I bet you know all this stuff. That's that's why I'm excited to talk to you. Remember those weird armature bars? Weird. Uh, what do you well, they had a weird cutout. On.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there was definitely some. People were messing with them a lot. We had Next Generation come out with a one-and-a-half coil. There were people <laughs> trying single coils and triple coils and all sorts of different things. Um, so there was definitely people playing around with it and experimenting and finding different ways that work. But interestingly enough, uh, the, the standard was the regular two coil, and even to this day, people who still use the coils, um, and that sounded weird, people who still use coils uh, have settled more or less that the two, co- two coil is the best setup, right? Yeah,
0: generally. I mean, I, sometimes you see somebody using a single coil for a particular application. Sure, yeah. But they, they don't seem to, I mean, they can't, it's not versatile. Um, in that thought, that it was, you must have looked at pneumatic as a way to provide, and I'm going to use a word that I'm not sure is universal, but I call it give or forgiveness. When you use a coil tattoo machine, the momentum starts pulling down towards the magnet. I'm just explaining this to viewers a bit or the listeners, but starts pulling down to the magnet and it breaks contact. The electromagnetic uh, coils now begin to lose uh, their magnetism. And when at that same time, the needle starts to hit the skin, and messing around with that, and finding a weird understanding with your machine, and the skin, your hand speed, and all these things can make it easier for you to put out especially lining that seems more consistent. When you moved on to pneumatic, I am guessing that you saw the ability to use the pressure inside of the, the merry-go-round like chamber or the, the rotary part, kind of, to provide some amount of give. Is that true
1: yeah and that's kind of when i was earlier i was saying rationalizing why i didn't believe it was the same as a rotary that was kind of one of the things so yeah. it, although it did use a, a traditional cam and follower mechanism um that whole the whole mechanism was pressurized by air sort of like you know a car engine is pressurized with oil so the the, yeah. the parts the parts weren't actually necessarily making the contact although I would say in many in most cases it it was but in some cases there was some air there and so there you know you were basically pushing against air pressure rather than a you know um, like a a rotary motor right and the 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 mechanism itself was that the rotational mass uh, and that was very, sm- a small amount of weight versus a rotary an electric motor, like all of the components of the motor, except the housing are spinning to create, yeah. right? So then you have a lot more inertia behind that rotational mass versus, a, you know, the pneumatic version. I feel uh, I've, I've only
0: used a pneumo once or twice. They were hard to convert over to, as I imagine you understood. Um, it was probably one of your biggest problems with scaling that it was uh to get people on board with a quiet air compressor first enough hose and um but at the time that you did though that i don't think anybody's made a machine as light as that now is it i mean maybe some of these the phantoms or something like that that i see which i haven't tried but even now that Numa is still the lightest machine i've ever had in my hand am i wrong about that
1: no, I think you're right. And, you know, the, we really only produced um, one of that original version. I mean, there was a couple different variations that as we learned, we figured out better ways to do it. But for the most part, we made an aluminum, you know, standard uh, run and it was 1.8 ounces. We had, I, I had made a couple of just for my own sake and just to test um, that were made out of plastic that were like 0.8 um ounces i don't know what that is in grams but 25 grams or something ridiculous so there's Was nothing ever the light. no i mean no okay. i don't think so you know it's it, it, you still had the situation where you're adding a grip to it right and back right. then um, grips are all steel grips were all steel and people were starting to do disposable grips but people hated them uh, you know, just like all new tech, people resisted at first and I was, myself included, I didn't like the disposable grips. They probably were made from cheap materials too, so it was a little more flexible and we liked yeah. the rigidity. And there are probably people still out there today who refuse to use anything but steel on a coil. You know? and I, I, with them. That. <laughs> yeah. and I In that too,
0: in the, uh, it, it kind of at the point that you made this, you made it sexy to people because some of the best tattoo artists in the world were using that. To, to, in, to my knowledge, it's like every one of the best tattoo artists. Maybe Guy Adkinson wasn't using one. I think he might have been using next gen. But even that next gen design of coil tattoo machines, they were designed to be lightweight. And it was during a time we were all hoping to get longevity. We've seen some of the old timers with their locked wrists or their arthritic fingers that were teaching us. And uh, they swore by these coils that they loved, but those some of those things were like eight ounces. Sometimes, yeah, there was.
1: were some. There were some that were close to a pound, actually. <laughs> and that's not uh, that's not factoring in a one inch steel tube. <laughs> I you can know? only imagine that.
0: The, the then we started to find though I think um, a difference where we, we did actually crave some weight. We just noticed we wanted it down lower yeah so a steel tube with a pneuma i'm honestly probably the best feeling in my hand machine i've ever used i don't want to use one now of course um i don't think you guys are making them obviously you're not making the pneumatic style but you yourself have now given into i'm guessing
1: you're pretty pleased with
0: this it's still called the pneuma and it's a pen now
1: am i right yeah and we're and we're um we offer steel as well and same thing it's you know, the bulk of the, our grips, the bulk of the metal is as far uh, as close to the cartridge as it can get. So all the weight is right down at the bottom. And uh, yeah, people love it. I think that having that little bit of weight in the right place provides some stability when you're trying to pull clean lines and, and, and keep your hands steady, that weight helps. Um, And then also when you, when your machine is a little on the too light side, you know, and I think most people don't really think too much about this, but let's say your machine is ultra light. um, And we also, we also have extremely light machines too, 115 grams and it's maybe the, one of the lightest pens, if not the lightest pen, but we also have full variation. So we've got one that's 13 ounces, um, which is about 400 grams, which is, ridiculously heavy. But what we're finding is that some people want the weight because you end up not having to push into the yeah. like towards the skin and instead just the weight of the machine. It's like a count. It's like, okay, so when you if it's super light, then the needles, the action of the needle pushing into the skin, mm-hmm. pushes the machine away from the skin at the same time. Yes. So you if have to use some, your
0: finger, to breath.
1: right? So if there's some weight there, then it's not it has a lot lesser effect in that in that regard
0: now there's some other studies that i uh, this is why i'm sorry for any listeners that and this is probably one of the more boring but if you're a tattoo artist this might be one of the more exciting um is i also you you studied the actual i'm going to call it work time of the needle in the skin is that you follow through yeah. for this tattoo machine uh, as the applications for line work, shading, gray shading, and color
1: backing. Yep. Yeah, we actually got, this was back in uh, 2009 or something like that. We got a bunch of artists together. Everybody brought their favorite machines or what they thought was the best. We had about forty-five machines. We tested all of them. I, had, I he's got to be some
0: of the best tattoo artists that you know, too. Huh?
1: Yeah, definitely a lot of very famous guys. Um, and I had rented some high-end, like macro lenses that went with these high-speed cameras. And we we basically videoed um, n- each of these machines with a needle, and we uh, up close on the needle. We and in super slow mo, we were able to map out what we call stroke profiles. But yeah, it's basically like yeah. needle positioning uh, in a given cycle. So if your needle starts in the up or retracted position, it extends and then retracts again. That's one cycle. And so, how long it spends in each of those positions, um, you know. And honestly, we didn't set out to to. We didn't know what we were going to find. Okay. Um, we were just, we were going to do some research. Yeah. Um, we, we, we had some, our, some suspicions or some expectations, but uh, what we ultimately discovered, uh, you know, and the thing that stuck, stuck out the most to me was the difference between rotary and a coil was really dramatic, quite quite different. Um, and okay. so basically the coil, the coil spends a lot more of its life a lot more of that cycle um mm-hmm. in the retracted position, like two or three times as much of that cycle it spends back. So not poking the skin. Right. So then you Where hear the that, rotary has gotta complete the cycle. So it's
0: oftentimes almost 50-50. Am I wrong? Like
1: it's one yeah, it's every single position. It spends the same amount of time in every single position. Right. You know, right. if you were to break it down. I mean it's it's obviously like <laughs> this wave it doesn't have points but in order to for us to like examine it we had to break it down into segments right so it would be like one stroke cycle might have been a hundred segments so but each of those uh, segments was the same amount of time in the same amount of time was spent okay. so and, some and of those segments are actually in the skin putting
0: in ink and other parts of those segments though are withdrawing or going down towards the skin
1: Right, or or in the in the other end of the cycle where it's just all the way back to
0: Now uh, that would imply that rotaries would do terrible at uh, tattoos or tear them up, but yet we have great artists using them. What, how did how did they you, you figure that?
1: Well, so my my opinion is just that, you know, so okay, and this is gonna be based on my experience, of course, and it's just <laughs> an opinion, and I'm probably wrong. Who knows? But um <laughs> When I went from coil, when I first tried using a rotary, uh, so this was not not my own rotary, but just so, you know something do like remember? a rotary. Re- I do remember. And it felt like, so with a with a coil, there's, uh, the artist, the, what the artist feels is different fr- from a rotary. A rotary, <laughs> you feel a lot of feedback from the skin, yeah. comparatively, where a coil, you don't really. It feels more like, spongy or like free-moving and fluid versus...
0: That's gonna attribute to the spring, I'm guessing, that is uh, allowing um, to get momentum and to contact with, to complete the circle, right? That's, you almost feel like because of the springs that are involved with the armature bar, there's a translation where you don't have the feedback in your hand.
1: Well, my opinion is that the feedback is actually the needle hasn't been retracted from the skin yet. So a coil, it, it has a very fast snap. Um, yeah. So it's, the needle gets in and out of the skin very quickly. And so as I'm moving my hand across the skin, I don't feel it because it's happening faster than I'm moving my hand. Whereas with a rotary, uh, it's there's some snagging happening. And so that feedback is actually just because I'm moving my hand around, you know, we're never tattooing, hovering. We're always moving around, so this, the needle's just not being retracted fast enough, and so I'm oh. feeling like a little bit of a catch on the skin.
0: And then people learned to work with that feel. right? I'm, I'm guessing I mean. to have yeah. better uh, results, and right. possibly so first, also
1: mm-hmm. just when you first switched from a coil to a rotary. Uh, You felt that snag and it sucked and to do lines was a nightmare. But Mm -hmm. if you had enough patience and you could slow yourself down enough, you could make it work, but it wasn't ideal. Right. And so that's why the coil world still exists besides just the fact that it's a really neat device. And some people like that. And that might be enough for some people to stay with it, but for some other people, it's just that I don't want to have to adjust the way that I tattoo to use this other, like, why, you know? Right.
0: Then, but I'm guessing you you feel at least that you've answered that with your latest iteration of the NUMA with the NUMA pendant.
1: Yeah, you know, so the, the cool thing about, the cool thing about my new machine, it's the NUMA 4, we have three different versions of it now, but um, so the coil, so the limitations, there's obvious limitations of a coil, which are, you know, you have to be able to maintain it, which is not easy. You gotta be able to tune it and, you know, I would say a lot of modern tattooers having never even used one before would be sort of mystified by that part of it. It's kind of like, (laughs) I've I've watched it. Yes. Yeah. So there's that. And then there's also, you know, in the same way that the rotary has that limitation where it's linked to the cam directly. And so it has to fulfill the, the cycle. It can't skip part of the cycle, right. Or else it, it can with, um, cushions and and air quoting give, but that's it's different from a from a, a coil so
0: yeah wouldn't that generally if i added a spring to that cam shaft of the rotary which usually is 50 50 everywhere it goes or it spends the same amount of time in each segment if i add a spring to that i i it when it enters the skin it begins slowing down and it might skip over and not go as deep i guess but it's actually longer in the skin than isn't it
1: yeah, let me, um, let me jump back for one second and then I'll answer mm-hmm. that. Um, what I was trying to say about the, the, uh, the coil is that in the same way that you can't alter a traditional rotary mechanism, the way that they are designed today, you also cannot uh, alter in the opposite way a coil. So in other words, you can't make a coil needle slow down in the extended position. It, it's always going to snap. So there are uses for that uh, in, in a rotary where it is slowing down in the extended position. And since neither side can meet in the middle, that's why my machine is un- as, as unique as it is because it can. So- follow. Yeah, because I seen,
0: I didn't know that, we, that <laughs> Numas were still out. I, I apologize for not keeping my ear to the railroad as much as I used to when I was a young kid. And really fascinated by this this whole thing by, by machines, but um, when I saw that, that there was a new and then I saw your breakdowns of the skin cycle and the segments like we're talking now, I was I was act, I was immediately like, oh my god! I'm super stoked about this because I know he's researched it.
1: So let me try to describe <clears throat> what I've discovered. Uh, it's it's hard to do it, and we're using only words. Um, mm-hmm but I, let me try to describe what what i can we
0: also give some i saw some some um diagrams on uh, on the website i don't know if i was on your instagram or your website can we also do you have a place where people could listen to you and also follow sure. with those things yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah our website is dot com um, with an
0: n no, no p
1: and yeah n-e-u-m-a tattoo um, and there's a, there's a support button, um, and under that support button, there's all sorts of information regarding the cams that we're talking about and other product information that would be useful as visual tools um, for this conversation, for sure. But there is, for so this, and I need to make a, a, some type of a infographic for what I'm about to describe. I haven't done it yet. Um, but so... My so what I have discovered is that there so there are two ends of the spec. There are two perspectives of give in a rotary, right? So there is give as is as as it is felt from the artist's perspective, and then there is give as it is felt from the skin being tattooed's perspective, right? Okay. Yes. And the, and then it's a give and take. They are not equal. So. What happens is if you add give to a rotary machine, the artist will feel less snagging. At the same time, the skin will experience more snagging. Okay. That that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so it's really not that it's more that you, you you'll feel that sponginess, but like you were saying earlier, what ends up happening is you, because you need to get that same depth of penetration in order to make the dot for the tattoo to be effective. Mm -hmm. um, You end up lengthening the amount of delay that the needle spends just stuck in the skin before you pull it out. And so what that ends up doing is traumatizing the skin a bit more. And so that's why, like if you're lining with a rotary with that has give, let's say it has adjustable give, and you adjust it to the maximum amount of give, and then you try and pull a line with that. It's it's bad bad news, right? Yes. The, yeah, so if you if you're using a regular rotary, um, you would want it to have the least amount of give when lining, and and that's why because what you what you end up doing is you're tightening up that delay a little bit. Um, and can, so, can I
0: talk about because I bet you've experienced this too, and I, I find that I line different than other people. I generally line slow when I'm using a coil at least. I line slower and I build my line a bit more. I, I almost watch it go in the skin. Um, it, and then many other people I knew that were doing line work, they had really snappy little, almost like, rotary, you know what I mean? Where I mean, it wasn't like a rotary, but they would use a lot less needle depth, a lot less forgiveness and they would turn it up and buzz like around eight to 10 volts. Um, And you're kind of describing that, I think, in, or at least that style of lining. Have you encountered people like myself, they almost rather a a
1: shader to line with? Yeah, um, so that's me, I'm a line builder, but the thing is that um, from a, a tattoo machine manufacturer's standpoint, Um, It doesn't matter what I want. Although the reality is that like I made the machine for me. I mean, to begin with, (laughs) because I saw, you know, I saw flaws in something. And so I was catering Uh, to my own desire.
0: However, did um, you find then that you needed to sell them so that you could just pay for all the research and development?
1: No, I don't care about, I don't, I don't really care about any of that. The way that I go into a project is it's like a gamble and I'm willing uh, to lose,
0: you know? So, I, do, I do know, because this is something we, I want to get to the history of this. You almost, disp, like, you built a mystique around the NUMA, and then by having the hybrid come out, which was an awesome machine. I think I've still got one somewhere. I traded somebody else, uh, a CNC machine that I had. For it. But um, the, the hybrid almost said, hey, listen, you can just use a rotor. You follow me? Like like by, because it was also pneumatic and also the rotary. So you would see people using them on the road as a rotary and then they were quiet and you're like, that's the new one? And They're like, yeah, I'm using the, the rotary attachment. And you're like, so a rotary is a rotary. And it kind of, it broke the floodgates in my opinion, just what I saw. And I remember it broke the floodgates of competitors who then had a viable product based off of everything that you did with the new one, with the success.
1: Which is funny because it's interesting to hear, and, and I, I'm not disagreeing because mm-hmm. I think that you're right. That what what that machine did was it kind of highlighted and sort of uh, enunciated something that we weren't aware of at the time. But I actually see that as being the worst machine I ever made, and okay. what it what it ultimately did for me was re- make make me realize. I, I learned a lot from that machine and it was was multiple. it full of
0: compromises for you to try and hit a different spot with, with a tattoo it was
1: it was an experience it wasn't compromised it was just confusion it was something that i i saw the issue but I, <clears> which but was I, carrying a, a pneumatic uh a, a no air compressor? I, okay. yeah I, I never really cared too much about that it was more about the mechanism for me uh, mm-hmm. uh, there, there were other problems with that machine too. There's less problems with that machine. but ultimately what I am getting at is that so in the bigger picture, what I learned was about give. And I so I thought because back then it was like, okay, rotaries are cool and everything, but coils have give. And we didn't quite understand at the, at that time what what is give. So so personally I, I believe that there are their the industry right now is currently, using the word give for three different um, Actually, it it. circumstances that exist. <laughs> uh, so there's there's coil give, which is, you know, actual give. Basically, it means that the needle is not going to go all the way to the extended position if it- And it's going to retract
0: quick, quickly.
1: Right, and it still maintains the snappiness. So that's real give. Mm-hmm. So it, it shortens the length without lengthening the delay. Okay. Right. So, which is great. Um, the second version is you take a rotary and you put a cushion in it or a spring, right, or like a, yeah. like a, like a flex bar or something like that, where now you are achieving that the needle doesn't have to extend as far as a direct drive um, before it gets retracted, but they're increasing the time. Take,
0: mm-hmm. Right. Increase the time in the skin.
1: Yeah, and then the third one is, in my opinion, um, and no offense to anyone in the world here, but uh, <laughs> I see it as a marketing um, tool okay. more yeah. than anything. And I think that so a lot of manufacturers say digital give or e give or something like that, and and effectively all that is is a. Uh, so there, there are some electric motors that will in, that will d- detect that the motor is being slowed down by friction. And so it will add voltage to bring it back yeah. up to that speed. So, so that would be lacking e give And then a standard motor, when it in, encounters skin, it's going to slow the motor down. So they're calling that e give And I think that that's, first of all, a little bit deceptive because it's actually inverted, you know, um, but also it's not give because it still has to go through this full cycle before it can retract
0: yeah so there is yes i follow so this still has the drag on the skin i think that might be i'm using um and, and i do love it so i don't want to talk bad on it but i think that, that i'm using a machine that has that I only just now found out that i can change what i think you're calling e on um on a flux which is a fk irons machine and i think that there's some kind of app in that that you're supposed to be able to change it. I'm betting that's what you mean by eGIV then. And, and, yeah, so
1: eGIV, I don't, I don't know specifically how Flux has it set up.
0: Um, generally, it's like my shaver, which encounters a rough spot and it turns the engine up a little
1: bit higher. It, it, yeah, so that's actually okay. the opposite of E-give. That would be eGIV turned off. Okay. That's why I'm saying it's inverted because uh, they're actually adding a component to the system to make it turn itself up when it slows down. So that's, but then they're can just can it saying, make well, a quick enough
0: adjustment for that? Like, I mean, I guess it can be quick and maybe yeah, even more quick. perceptible than my own eye. Um,
1: yeah, definitely. These things are, these motors are very fancy and they, yeah, they're, <laughs> so they're also rotating it, you know let's say six to 9,000 RPM. Mm-hmm. So each of those wrote, so per minute, so that means 150 times a second, up to right. So yeah. every second, it's sending 150 signals of okay. feedback. Yeah. So it can respond really fast.
0: I right know. That's why all these guys are so much better than me now, then, huh? Damn ones.
1: You know, That's and the it, truth that- is that there's nothing wrong with any of those. Uh, there's nothing wrong right or wrong it's just that it's confusing and people are calling it all the same one thing and i think that it serves the industry to know what's going on you know and to know what they're trying to achieve
0: yes i follow i think many people now are starting out especially as an apprentice just with a rotary i i recommend it to start out as an apprentice as a rotary because uh and i generally like them to use one with a hard give or, or no give i guess so they have all the feedback, and then they can start applying give but with the, the knowledge that they had. You follow me? Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I once I used to skate uh, on a on a wood board, and I could never hit my trucks on a grind. I could just I was just terrible about it. I was not grind good. I switched to an aluminum board, and suddenly everything was so stiff. I knew where my trucks were, and I could hit them. I, I was amazing translation for me then i got tired of having bloody shins so i went back to a wood board and now with the translation that i knew was there from the stiff board i then was able to still hit the lip tricks but but now with understanding of the woods bending
1: yeah you know I, I used to be a skater back in the i guess that would have been late 80s early 90s and i've never even heard of an aluminum board oh really
0: (laughs) i got tired of them i'm kind of a i'm not fat but i've always kind of been bigger and so i would break boards occasionally i got really tired of it and uh i saw on ebay i think i spent like 100 to 300 bucks for just a deck and it was solid (laughs) wow Um, yeah dangerous terribly dangerous it's like when i think back on it i'm like that's a stupid idea but i do remember learning a lot from that (laughs) moment But we were talking about the hybrid, and you said it was possibly your worst machine you ever made. Is it like your learning experience then? This was obviously yeah. before your research in, in the coil, in, in, in your favorite tattoo artist's favorite machine.
1: Yeah, so this might, might confuse some people or it might mystify some people. But while I, so at the same time, it was the worst like product I ever made with the most amount of value for me personally because failure is information Mm -hmm. and you know so if i had not if i had not made that i would not have learned so much and so i would not have been able to apply that learning to this new machine which i feel is is my best machine i've ever made right so so I love failure, that. You know, the, you've the, also uh, made you 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 revolutionized the industry, in
0: my opinion. I don't. It's not even just my opinion. I talked with other artists that I was like, dude, I'm really excited. I got Carson Hill coming on this week. Halo, as a matter of fact, was one of them. And he's like, oh my god, dude, the the Numa was such an awesome machine. My whole shop was running them. We had a compressor set up in back. I had airlines going to every station, and uh, yeah, you revolutionized that thought process I think and, and again you open up the floodgates for the many machines so now to hear that you're excited about your latest iteration and it almost sounds like a swan song for you, right um do you do you feel like you have more to do after this or are you pretty satisfied here oh man if you only knew yeah <laughs> you're never satisfied are you uh
1: well yeah I mean maybe to a fault um, but my you know, the, the the pursuit of per, bet, like improvement is too big within me that i would ever stop even if it meant you know some of it you, some of it no one will ever see i'm sure but you know, but there are things that i have i'm putting a lot of effort into even write this minute already i mean we just released a machine Um, a couple of weeks ago and I'm already testing the next one. So, you know, and my, my opinion is that this next one would be so much better than the current one that, you know what I mean? It's like, that's that I I
0: shouldn't even bother picking up the current one is that that was one of the problems that kept me from getting the new one for a while because I knew it was an investment. I started saving up towards it. But honestly, by the time I got around to being prepared to actually get one, Uh, The hybrid had come on and it was a short period after that, you know, that, that, that paused me. me. And then a short period after that, like I said, the floodgates opened up. There was, I think the gen six came out. And I seen DeVries was using that, which gave a lot of credibility to it. And um, it seemed like a lot of guys started then coming up with their own version of the rotary shortly after that, the ego came out. Um, There was all these different rotaries that people were trying. And because of the, uh, ability of some of these people you know it, it seemed like it was a magic wand because you would look at your work and be like well the reason i saw it can't be me you can't it's got to be this this coil machine i'm using um and then then there were so many options you didn't know
1: really where to start
0: but you wouldn't tell me then not to pick up the first version of this new, new machine because you're still selling them, right yeah
1: we still sell them, and there there are people who don't even look at our new stuff yet. But my personal opinion is that it's so it's it's a product line, really. And so, so if you were, let's say, um, let's say a year from now or something like that, I'm releasing the next one. Um, but you had never used the first or the second one. Uh, I think that I think that would be a pretty big jump. And it, so, I think personally, I think that. They, I don't know. I don't know how to properly word this. (laughs) Like they complement each other. Like yeah, uh, or like one leads to the next leads to the next kind of thing. Um, Kind of beautiful. (laughs) Like you almost wouldn't know what to do with the third one if you hadn't already tried the first one. It might be something like too much, you know. So my like my whole philosophy is bring something to the industry that they didn't know they wanted. Right. Okay. So if so if that let's say that's. For example we just released the macro which is basically the Numa 4 with a whole load more power right so okay. our our Numa 4 is already more powerful than 99 of the other machines available so so to is jump, that because you, to, you figure some of these people are
0: using uh big car- cartridge mags, like 45s even, even hun- yeah, hundreds i mean
1: them. that's part of it but the, okay. the way that i look at it is So, okay, I have a little analogy that I, that me and, you know, some of the people that I work with, we kind of jokingly talk about where, so you look at like, some of these companies, and it's almost like, okay, you got an F1, if you went to go shopping for a truck, and you went to the Ford dealership, you can get an F150, you can get it with a four cylinder, a six cylinder, an eight cylinder, you can get it at F250, which is almost identical with a a diesel and get a 1000 pounds of torque right so it's kind of like what we do right we're not we're not like redesigning a new machine and giving it a new look so that we can push something out the door but it has the same four-cylinder engine every single time right we're we're settling on ergonomics that we think are useful and then we're offering you different performance characteristics
0: which okay, i think yes. is a lo-
1: I think that's just a better way of approaching, uh, approaching things. You know, like if, if, so what I'm ultimately saying is that some of these companies are cramming the smallest motor they can get away with into a machine so that they can optimize their, you know, battery life or something like that. Right. So that it fits with the
0: right. overall it's
1: platform a, of the machine or something. It's like a that.
0: package for, for, for consumership rather than you almost. most.
1: Yeah, so my, my whole philosophy is all about performance. I don't care about any of, I mean, the, the I do care about the other factors, but they're secondary. The,
0: right, you're a tattoo I, artist, for, you're still tattooing to this right. day, right? Yep, yep. So <clears throat> you're yeah, so using want your product.
1: That, yeah, I am. And I, and I want something that does the tattoo quickly, efficiently and effectively where the customer comes back and it looks the way that I expected it to and you know what I mean? I'm not spending a bunch of time like fussing with it. I just want to mm. get it done. You know that's so.
0: But you so, are yeah.
1: spending a bunch of time fussing with it
0: because you you want to limit other people's fussing with it. Am I wrong? I, like you're tinkering with this thing as you find a necessity to make changes to it.
1: Yeah, and the truth <laughs> is that you know tattoos hurt, and I, I don't. Mm. I haven't been able to figure out a way to uh,
0: make them not
1: get around that. Yeah. So, so lidocaine, do you use that stuff? I think it makes it worse, personally. I'll use the okay. spray, whatever, uh, Bactine, mm. but yeah, I think that you know the first forty-five, unless you're doing small tattoos, then yeah, use lidocaine. No, but I feel it, it comes on kind of
0: for my customers three to four hours in. If I've been using it, it's like then all the pain just starts rushing at them. Like uh, in
1: my experience, it's like one hour, hour and a half.
0: Okay,
1: and they're and then they're back to hating it and maybe it's worse because they right. had this expectation that it was it, going
0: to be yeah almost yeah like I've, I've heard uh opium opioids lower your pain tolerance despite giving you an ability to deal with that pain they limit your own ability to deal with that pain without their need and then and and similarly i feel like lidocaine like because you think it doesn't hurt then you, you, when it does start hurting you're like, oh, no, I'm not prepared for this. My endorphins aren't run. I you right. I'm just telling me to run away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So if I, so let's say I got, I'm trying to do a tattoo on somebody and they're, they're the type of guy who uh, just doesn't deal with pain very well. Okay. And now I'm having a hard time or I have to, I have to do, you know, two times across the same area to get saturation. Now I'm doubling the guy's pain you know, lengthening the amount of time it takes to get it done. And I call that fussing or struggling or whatever. If it just goes in the first time I do it, uh, well, then we're better off in all those ways.
0: Do you find that that... lidocaine also makes the skin tougher to to penetrate?
1: Yeah, sometimes it can make it like sort of swell, like almost like it's swollen and it's just like more rubbery. Now you got to push harder, so you're doing right. more damage, especially if yeah. you're using a, a spring that's, that's
0: slowing down. In right. Mm-hmm. So, and, yeah. so when when you studied this, you found or when you studied the stroke lengths and different segments that you divided them up into, then you found different. I, I, I'm sorry, to, it's going to take me a minute to get through this. Because now I'm understanding your product line is actually for an artist to pick and, you know, what type of tattooer they are, what they like, and maybe even what they would then like to take it towards. So you've you've studied coloring packing and the amount of um, time that should be in the skin as opposed to out. And the same with gray shade uh, in and out and lines in and out do they differ dramatically they they must um i'm figuring gray shade needs to get out of the skin really quick but i could be wrong because i generally slow my gray shade down so maybe i'm actually yep. dragging across the skin but i may be causing more trauma because when it comes back to me healed a lot of those mid-tones are kind of missing they may have i may have been mistaken the abraded skin and the redness there for them. yeah
1: yeah so a couple of questions that you're asking number one let me clarify that. Yeah, there was there. We do some like actual, like what you could call scientific research, but the the like predominantly, I'm to level with you. My yeah. my uh, ex, my studying or research that you keep referencing is mostly just me tattooing people, and w- using different devices and different like parameters and stuff like that. So it's real world application every single time it's never anything like extremely uh, outside of the box because I need to be able to to perform the tattoo properly. You know, I can't like risk my clientele for it. Right. But, um, but yeah. And then the other thing is like what you're describing is a process that has taken me a long time to figure out, but it's not always what you expect. Like the outcome is not always what I expected it to be. So like you were saying, you think that, So, actually, the way that we have our cams marketed is we've got a liner cam, a shader cam, a blender cam, and a packer cam. However, um, the shader cam is, if I were to re-label them today, I don't know that I would call it a shader cam. And I have this discussion with people all the time. It's it's really a matter, it's really about hand speed more than anything. Um, so so like based on what I'm hearing you describe with your shading and how you slow down, and I, I would, I do the same thing. Then I would say you probably want our packer or blender cam because ultimately that is for slower hand movement versus, so we have, a, it's 20, they're in percentages are cams. So 20%, 28, 33 and 40%. So 20, Is designed for people moving their hand very fast. Typically, when people are lining, they move their hand faster. And so that's why we call it a liner. So now 40, the other end of the spectrum, is meant for people who kind of do slow building up process. So like a gray, like shading would be perfect for that, or color packing, solid, saturated, that kind of thing, where you're not like really moving your hand fast. And then the other two are basically steps in between. So it's you know Uh, it's like the 28 is just a little bit slower than the 20 and the 33 is slower than that and the 40 is slower than that
0: do I buy these separate or do they come with the tattoo machine it comes with all of them so you can Mm -hmm. experiment and see what you like yeah I like that a lot better for sure because certainly when we're telling somebody um, that they not not really that they have to uh, learn how to identify themselves in this, this spectrum but I mean now they can, right? They they can if if what you're saying is it's not always the, the shader is the shader. You may have the color pack as the shader and be perfectly fine. So with that knowledge and then all the cams available, I can try each one out and see each
1: Yeah. And what I generally will recommend, we, we assemble every machine with the 20% installed and we ship it that way. And what I generally would recommend is people start with that one. It's the one that is most like a coil and it would feel the most the biggest change from what a normal rotary feels like and then when they're ready to try the next cam go to the other end of the spectrum and try the 40 and really get to feel that and see the difference and put it to the test and then make a decision which one like which area because some people will go through all four cams some people will buy four machines and set it up with each cam so they don't have to switch it around or anything I mean, it takes one second literally but I get it you know okay right well they don't want to
0: cross contaminate during the this yeah. right totally but uh, it really no. is that easy though one second unscrew yeah. drop in and take out the old put in the new back together go, and you're on
1: yeah okay That's awesome. yeah so yeah try the two ends of the spectrum see the difference and then start to you'll start to understand a little better and maybe the forty feels a little bit too slow, and you know, like, okay, now I get it. Now I'll, I'll I'll try the thirty-three or the twenty-eight because that's better for me, right? And at all this time, too, you can still control a large amount of speed with the um, power supply itself. Well, with, we're not we're, we're not actually talking about we're not actually talking about speed as in frequency. So when you're talking about the power supply, now you're talking about how many pokes per second. Right. So I'm not but talking we're about talking that about a ratio. I'm talking about the velocity of the needle uh, within one cycle, so one poke. Yeah. And th- so does it go really fast, poke, and get the hell out, like our 20, or does it slowly extend, slow down, poke, and then retract slowly like the 40? What? I-, I know I, it sounds is... like really hard to wrap your head around that when it's 100 times a second, but it, it really is noticeable when you uh when you switch within the cams you'll notice it No, nobody doesn't notice it
0: and not even it's not going to be compensated necessarily so like some machines um with a different spring if i try out somebody else's machine's got a spring in it or something or it's a new version whatever i try it out i don't like it at one speed and i can turn it up and find what works for me but in this case if i left it at the same voltage or, or even turn it. I would still notice a dis. You, you feel that I would still notice the difference of the ratio or the velocity.
1: Well, yeah. So, I mean, my machine is the only one that's gonna. The, the only one that's sl- that's similar would be a, D, a Dan Cuban, um,
0: which so, man. I I was going to ask you who else in the industry are on your radar. Obviously, Dan Cuban is.
1: And right yeah, you know, um, I've I've actually never used one to be honest, but I I've had millions of talks with people and it sounds to me like his machines are the closest um, to this kind of a philosophy uh, as anything else. The rest of them are all like so our 40% cam is standard. It is it's called sinusoidal. It basically means that the needle is spending the same amount of time in every position as every other position. So that's every rotary on the market is using a sinusoidal wave form. Yeah, every, everyone, everyone. There aren't any that do uh, stroke profiles. So if, if you're switching between something that isn't the number four, right, other rotaries, um, and you're noticing a difference, there are other factors, you know, there, there is whether or not it has give, there is um, the voltage and winding of the motor, the output, like wattage of the motor, the torque of a motor the speed um, stall um, all these ratings of a motor that determine you know what it, what that feels like so in other words like our, our machine has a nine volt motor it's, it's, I mean it's just a motor with a nine volt winding um, a lot of guys are using a 12 volt winding and so uh, if you if you put like let's say you're using them um, I don't want to use anybody's brand name right now because I just, I try to stay away from that, but any other brands, let's say, and you normally use it at 11 and then you put mine on at 11, it's going to be a rocket ship because it's wound at nine. So does that mean it would
0: also possibly blow anything over them or get too hot? Over them?
1: No, um, they can, they can take it. I mean, if you turned it up double, then yeah, that's going to be a, an issue, but.
0: Okay, but nobody's going to 18 volts anymore.
1: You're, you're more likely to like saw somebody's arm off than to blow up these motors. These motors are really efficient. And if anything, what we're finding out is that, let's say it's a nine volt winding, but you run it at five volts, um, you're more likely to heat it up and cause problems by underpowering it than by overpowering. It. There's basically a certain amount of electrical current coming through the motor. And if you're not allowing that current to be used, then it builds up in, in, in the form of heat, basically.
0: Okay. I follow. When, when we talk about your own tattooing, I understand most of your tattooing to be biomechanical. Is, are, are you doing other forms of tattooing then
1: as well? No, not really. I mean, okay. every okay. once in a while, I, like a family member or something wants something that isn't that, and yeah, I'll do it. But no. <laughs> Right.
0: No, no excitement. But biomechanical, I'm guessing, also has gray shade it has line work and it has color packing um, all involved in it.
1: I mean, I don't know that Biomech necessarily covers all of the, I mean, I, for the most part, I use the 20% cam for everything. I'll use the other ones for experimental purposes and certain like gray. I don't use it for grays and stuff like that. But um, what, the reason that you could choose to trust me is because I know that I'm only one person and I know that I'm I'm my attempt is to cater to an entire industry. And so, you know, I, am a, I'm a listener and I like feedback. I want to hear it from people. And, and I have been doing that for my entire career and I'm especially fixated on it these days. Uh, do you remember icon magazine or machine gun
0: magazine? It was called.
1: Yeah. It was put out by icon and
0: they studied, or attempted to study tattooing and then to come up with a formula, do this, it works. And, uh, I tried it, you know, I tried to do all their stuff. I don't know that they were wrong, but I learned from that actually in two years of trying to follow it, that everybody's different and they tattoo different. I thought for sure I had, I knew all like, this is how you do it after I read their magazines, understood it. And then I went, I got tattooed by Tom Renshaw. One of the biggest experiences of my life, because I'd never really even met anybody in the industry with that kind of you know name. And Tom, when I looked at his machine and started picking his brain on it, I realized, I mean, not that he's he was ignorant, but he didn't have any desire to because that makes like he was like this works. I use it, Mickey Sharp's. I pull my contact back until I have to shake it to start it. Now it hits soft, (laughs) and I go. And when I saw him do that, I was like, man, screw this magazine. So everybody tattoos different. Even um, Jeff Goguay, awesome, awesome artist. I'm sure you know. Um, But he, when I asked him about Tattoo Machines one time, he pointed me to a book, I think by Joey Desmaru, Desmukes, I I don't know how to print. And it was just a little brief book that I'm reading through it. And I'm not saying that I know, but I know that it was wrong, or at least wrong for me. Some of his theories on, on the machine, I, I begin to realize almost everybody making tattoos and with an idea of their tattoo machine knowledge, most of them are all just feeling and not really concrete, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, it bring up a good point. It, it, ultimately, it is that there is no right or wrong way to do it. Um, I would say back to the recommendation for an apprentice would be something like, uh, you know, absorb, seek and absorb as much information as is possible and then apply it in a way that it works for you. Like find, find your own way because that's what everybody is ultimately doing.
0: What it is. Even, yes. And even as uh, yourself somewhat, as you're saying, these tattoos, machines working with now are, are all your own experience more like I, I figured that you had hundreds of tattoo artists all in a row <laughs> working on the same design on, on the same type of skin body type but I guess it couldn't possibly be that it's probably one of the harder parts of the, uh, the greed or the corporate world breaking into our industry is that it really is two individuals to break down in an easy, simple formula, do this, do that. And now they get left with their desire to make money as to find marketing ploys like eGive, And I shouldn't say ploy because that implies that it's almost a trick, but I, I do mean, you know, just a marketing tool mm-hmm. as what it is, not necessarily what's best for you or this or that, but I, if I tell you, you want to have e-give and my other competitor has eGive. Now you're definitely going to get it one with eGive. You don't even know what the hell it is.
1: Yeah. And again, uh, for like some people would probably swear by that. Uh, you know what you're calling a marketing tool. Other some, someone else is going to say, "I wouldn't. I wouldn't dream of using a machine that didn't have that." And so, yeah. You know. <laughs> I, I all, all you know, <laughs> I I'm a, I agree with what you're saying. So for me, the the true north is create a machine that performs that outperforms what is available. That is that's where I'm that's what I'm aiming for. Um, And of course, you're right that the there isn't like a specific answer because there we're talking about people and people have preference and people are not going to be the same. And that's what makes people beautiful. Like we're all different. We all think we see it differently. We have different perspectives and that's great. Um, so there isn't like a, an easy way to find the best. So that that's when certain things like that's when you're like, it does come up and come into a a form of compromise. Like for, like look at my machine right now. Right. We've got, Mm -hmm. we basically have one machine. Um, with three different uh, motor configurations, and and then it's got I don't know eight different grip configurations, and then it's got three different material configurations, and then you have four different cam configurations, and even two different follower configurations. And so when you multiply those all, what up, is a, a follower? The, uh, the follower is like the brass bearing arm or aluminum bearing arm, and so that's, that's the thing that's pushing the cam basically. And th- they're weighted differently. And so a heavy one will have a different effect from a light one. A light one will give you a quicker response, but less uh, inertia. A heavier one, slower response, but it stores energy. And so it gives you more smooth hit, right? So, but now if you were to take all these different configurations and, and multiply it out, like we've done this before and we have hundreds technically of different configurations. And so all of that is because I see that we are individuals and that we all have different preferences and different opinions and that they're all equally valuable. When it comes down to it, we're here to make tattoos the best we can. And there isn't one way to do that. And so let's see what I can do to make that easier for people. However, mm -hmm. there is a line, right. Where my, like some of the other characters in this business have to step in and stop me because um, it it doesn't make a lot of sense to have 10,000 different configurations or 50,000, like a new configuration for every artist, you know, like that doesn't make any sense. It's almost gonna scare people away marketing because of the confusion. And it doesn't make sense from a business perspective either, you know, at the end of the day, (laughs) if we're gonna stay in business, uh, we've got to be able to sell machines, and you know, so that's you know there is that factor as well. What's what's next on the horizon for you? Do, do you have anything that you can talk? I'm sure that some of the stuff
0: you want to keep shrouded
1: because yeah, one of well, yeah we, we, mm-hmm. we do have. Uh, like I said, we're we're constantly testing um, <clears throat> different performance characteristics. So there's always something that I'm, ex- I'm extremely excited about, but not able to talk about. So there's that. Yeah, um, we also have. <laughs> A few new grips coming, so it's just going to be, like, we have a shift grip right now, which is basically double, like, a dual position grip. We're making a new one of those that's bigger. We're making a... Does it have something
0: coming off the edge of it or something like that? You say dual position, you can hold it two different ways,
1: or what is that? Yeah, so you you can hold it, like, the normal way, down by the cartridge, or you can choke up on it a little bit and have the cartridge kind of extended out from your hand, and it basically makes your circle size bigger. Um, okay. It's really good for really good for like shading, blending, texturing stuff like that. Yeah, and then we also what? have uh, we have a couple of uh, different like oh, like super oversized grips. We have our disposable grip. We finally have that design oh, nice. complete. That's awesome. Uh, are they
0: are in production and
1: uh, available to the public? Not available yet. In production, yes, but uh, we're still a couple of months, few months out from that.
0: <clears throat> That's exciting day though. Um, Very exciting. Yeah. As a traveling tattoo artist. I really don't want to take anything back to the auto place and mm-hmm. uh, you, you know if I can just leave it there so much easier for setup and for travel yeah what what if um, a friend of mine a long time ago told who is was who is a manufacturer of machines he's no longer doing it but he was talking about his interest in toroidal coils in the application of tattoos he saw that somebody had a patent on it they never really used or never got. Put out, Um, but he believed it might be it would be possible to suspend a rod in between a toroidal or a donut-shaped coil, and then using computers try to um, mimic the best stroke length and coil style. Give is my understanding. Yeah,
1: that that actually um, is how I began the process of.
0: You had um, toroidal coils in mind?
1: even. It's not a toroidal coil. It's a, okay. I mean, it probably, it, it, it's possible that it forms a toroidal vortex of magnetic field around it. I'm not sure, but okay. it's a, It's called a voice coil.
0: Yes. So it,
1: it's, it's similar to a solenoid in that the core is what moves, right? And there's right. coils wrapped around it. But in a in a voice coil, it is, each coil is individually, well, each, maybe not each and every coil, but there are like bands of coils and those bands are individually wired into like a computer and then individually controlled. So you can find, you know, fine tune the stroke profile. So that was how I was going to achieve this originally. The, the issue that I came up against was the, the tech exists, it's not an invention, it's just a reapplication. Um, and so the the problem is that what it's being used for is robotics. And so these motors tend to be very large. So there's that. Um, there's also the issue of getting, so because tattooers want 150 Hertz average uh, of speed. Um, so, when you have 150, what happens is as the speed increases, the stroke length shortens. So to get 150, uh, to get 150 Hertz, you're only getting like max one millimeter of stroke length. So if you want four millimeters of stroke length, for example, you're getting something like 30 Hertz at best with a a very large, um, right? Motor, so I think just maybe one day the tech will, and unless somebody's out there is going to solve the problem, um, because they are, you know, I'm not. A it's motor- almost a
0: manufacturing problem, right? Because the motors that exist that you could get are not necessarily used for; they're not going to be small enough. I,
1: I think the the issue is that the tattooing industry isn't uh, isn't addressing it, and so the tattooing industry has a specific need. And that need only exists in the tattoo industry at the moment. So yeah. if, if that's going to exist in the form of a tattoo machine, that means that somebody within the industry needs to a- approach it um, from a specific need of, of tattooing and not borrow it. Because right now what we're doing is we're taking motors that exist from, uh, you know, for example, Fallhaber is a motor manufacturer that we use. The motor cars the or manual, something. Uh, it's for it's for automation mostly so okay. factory oh, okay so like a like an, like an assembly line type thing where there's robots right. putting you know the same part over and over and over again but because they exist
0: you can you can use that technology what, what you're saying is somebody basically would have to come in and make the new supply chain is that right or
1: Or even, yeah, I guess technically they would have to produce the thing eventually. But even to design it, um, I think that is the first hurdle is design. Because, you know, think about this company Fall Harbor, which does $260 million in sales annually. So they've got a budget of R&D that is enormous. But their focus isn't tattoo industry, right? And maybe one day. Yeah, so maybe one day Fall Hubber, because I know that tattooing is growing. And, like Fall Hubber knows about us; they know right. that we're using their motors. And maybe the segment becomes big enough that they decide, you know, okay, well let's put some budget R&D. into, yeah, for specifically for tattooing. That could happen, or you know, someone else comes along, or uh, something like that um, comes in. And then after you've gotten, the, you've gotten the. The design phase done now you're going to need to so that's why someone like supply chain would be better set up for that because they're already making motors and now they're just right. gonna change some of their line you know yeah man I, i've had a blast talking to you and i i think i'm kind
0: of done with my geek and nerd part something i would like to talk with you about and i probably should have started with, with some of the history of tattooing tattoo machines as you understand it the first coil And the first, which you already went over somewhat, and also the first rotor. My understanding was the first tattoo machine um, that we used by hand was like a perforation, a box perforation machine, and it was actually a coil rotary combination. Uh,
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, all rotaries are are coils. You know, like this coil is basically just a winding of, like, literally a coil of copper wire. That's what a Now the first one I saw was a um,
0: magnetic piece fixed on a, uh, on a big wheel and there was a, a coil down at the bottom that would become magnetized and draw that metal down to it and then it would demagnetize and it would go back up and magnetize yeah, that's again.
1: A, that's a motor. That's an electric motor that you're describing. Okay. So within an electric <laughs> motor there is a there is a, a magnet fixed to the housing, like and this is a very basic terminology. Here. No,
0: I think I see it now. Just when you say that, that basically it was, yeah, it was just missing a few of the coil packs uh, to really make it. My understanding of what a, a a rotary motor is nowadays.
1: Well, and it was also in eighteen seventy something, and so it was probably a very crude version of what you know nowadays mm. modern machine uh rotary motors are very very different looking than they were back then but in and the basic technology is the same. So you would say the first tattoo machine was generally a a rotary
0: tattoo machine. Yeah,
1: yeah. and it was a like you said it was actually an engraver they called it engraver. But yeah with it, okay. it would perforate. And it's funny to me to hear
0: uh the term loyal to the coil oftentimes or <laughs> Uh, because it, it implies that you don't want to learn more about your industry on
1: one aspect I so I, I can appreciate it I don't look at it that um, I don't I am not obviously loyal to the coil although my whole approach with rotaries is to make Was them like uh, yeah <laughs> but but I, I can appreciate why and I look at it kind of like um, Uh, Like an old car enthusiast, right? There are people who Mm -hmm. they're really into, like a nineteen forty T bucket or something. You know, you have to forgive me because I'm not a, I'm a modern car guy. Really know the past, but I get it. Like they they want to be able to have their hands on it, and what they don't like is like there's a computer doing all the shit for them. Like so, and I I get both sides because I'm actually the one who would prefer the computer to do it all for me. And just get the maximum amount of power just by pushing down the pedal. Um, right. That's that's me. But I don't think that that's the right way necessarily. It's just a different way of looking at it. You know, like check this out, dude. Right now, um, we're we're so hands off. You know, like mm-hmm. like let's say I've got a car. It's got 500 horsepower, and it's got all these like really fancy like car like cars are really neat because they're when you, if you're into technology, then you're into cars. It's just the way that it is, right? Okay, but, yeah. but I don't know exactly why this car puts out 500 horsepower. Like, how did they achieve that? It's It's got six cylinders. Maybe it has eight. It's got turbos. Sure, I get that. I understand what the, those things do. But how come there's other motors that are bigger, have a supercharger too, and they don't... Like, I don't understand it entirely. But if if we were car guys from back in the day well then we would know because we did it ourselves and we added the the boost pressure and we know where that's going and why does that matter and how it, so it's kind of like you know i'm appreciating the things that are there but i'm numb uh,
0: do we have a fear of that in the industry as we go forward with rotary tattoo machines as we trust I, manufacturers like that many of us are like, like I ask people when they have their new rotary and they try and tell me how awesome it is. Because everybody, once you get a new rotary, it is the new or, or a new machine, it's the coolest thing for two weeks. There's nothing cool, but during that time, everybody wants to sell you on their new cool thing. And I will ask them questions, and quite and very quickly, I'm like, you don't have a basic concept of what the hell is going on inside that tattoo machine, you know, like, is, is it a rod driven machine? Or you know where is the motor suspended? What size motor does it have? Man, it works really good. As I'll we get closer why. to there, do you think do we lose? Do we become more dependent on people like yourself? And do we lose anything as as an industry?
1: You know, that's up to you, <laughs>
0: right? Like why? Well, why, good, why and that's not? up to our listeners too, then, because that's why you are exactly. on the show, Carson.
1: Yeah, why am I not afraid of that?
0: Yes, why not?
1: Because I'm doing, I'm taking it into my own hands. I'm, if I see that, if that threatens me in some way, I'm, I'm going to do something about it. And that's what my whole business approach has been about. Like, yeah, I can see where it's headed. I don't like it. So why don't I change it myself? And I think that if that scares you, then that's the answer. Don't be mm-hmm. along for the ride. Be the pilot.
0: Yeah. I, I implore anybody, certainly whatever you're using to understand it. Do you think, though, that we get to a place? I mean, you, you've got a lot of information available so that you can pick these things out. I was excited just to read over and look at your graphs, um, try and get an understanding of them. They did give me a, a good, I mean, they, they open up like a window of thought somewhat, right? So now I'm thinking about all tattoo machines on a different level. However, eventually we get to the marketing aspect. Of it. Not everybody has the same goal as you to just produce a better quality product than what is available some people just want to market those things. and the client or the tattoo artist as ourselves are not aware we would be in
1: one of those places where so i'm going to say something very counterintuitive mm-hmm. right my my answer to that is that what you're what you're illustrating is scarcity you're talking about there's a there's only one pie and We're we're dividing this pie into pieces. And if too many people take too many pieces of the pie, blah, blah, blah. My philosophy is there is no pie. There is no limit. Um, We are not dividing up anything here. Everything is endlessly uh, abundant. And so although that seems wrong, I think not only is it right. I think it's useful to look at it that way.
0: I I love that. That makes me want to ask you other questions about aspects of your life that might have played into this about uh, spirituality and uh, your outlook on life itself. Do you, do you have anything that you would add?
1: Um, you know, I don't believe we're alone. I don't believe uh, this is accidental. And that's probably as far as I would um, go with that. I don't I don't claim to know um, the answer to that question, but. To me, it just feels like there's more, you know, there's more than meets the eye, sort of thing. I feel like that when I talk. That's why
0: I even ask. Is perfect answer, and I think it wraps it up great. That I believe I've stayed too long and said too much. Carson, let me thank you uh, for because you you've indirectly, perhaps, and, and even directly, been an influence in my tattoo career and my understanding of tattoos, my desire. To understand uh, tattoo machines and all, so let me thank you for that. And anybody else out there that is listening, please look into his long career, understand where he's coming from.
1: I it really appreciate you talking. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. And and, and for anybody out there that uh, is hearing this and has more questions, I like to make myself available for um, my customers and or anyone really. So. Yeah, so Love anytime, it.
0: reach out. And how do we get a hold of you then to uh, reach out to you for, for just those
1: questions? We actually have on our new website, it's mm-hmm. Uh There's a, in the support uh, area, there is a button called Ask Carson. And that's basically, if our FAQs don't answer your questions, you can directly contact me there. So you can do that, or I'm obviously on Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff, too. You can reach out to me directly. That's awesome, too. Uh, ask Carson Button? Yes, sir. Yep. I'm, I'm wrapping it up.
0: I'm just really impressed by that. No one else <laughs> has that. I don't know. Carson, my, my wife just gave me that. Come on, Kyle. Oh she gave me that sign. So <laughs> thanks so much for talking with me. I have a great life,
1: brother. I look forward
0: to seeing you out there yeah, the and continued uh, success.
1: Cool. Yeah, let's keep in touch. Thanks so much.
0: No problem. Thank you, all man.
1: Right, See you.